We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today is part one of our two-part preview of the Western Conference Finals. How cool is that? We're in the Western Conference Finals against the Denver Nuggets. A pair of teams who were there in 2020 and then didn't have their guys the last couple of years. Denver, last two playoffs, did not have Jamal Murray, did not have Michael Porter Jr., But they've got their squad now, as do the Lakers. Very excited about this. But we're going to start with a self-scout. And I would like this conversation to revolve around. I'm not you're not going to let me talk about Nuggets again. No, 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 no. So so this is not like a moratorium, Mike, but we're going to be talking about the Nuggets and how to beat them and how they try to beat us for the next 10 to 14 days, most likely. And I think that this Lakers team is young enough to where we've learned quite a bit about what the team is over the last couple of rounds of the playoffs. We were just talking about this before we hit, hit record, D. So the I think that there was a, uh, a a pivotal moment in the last game of this last series where the Lakers started Dennis Schroeder in place of Jared Vanderbilt. I have a broader argument to make about why this has like death lineup type of potential for the Lakers and why I think it's a significant event. And so let's start there. That five-man grouping of D'Lo, Austin, Dennis, LeBron, and AD. Let's rewind real quick before I kick it to you. LeBron hurts his foot against Dallas. And Lakers got to hold on. It's the end of the regular season. They're making this push for a playoff spot. And LeBron said several times about how he really liked the team that he was watching while he was on the sidelines and learned a lot about about what they were now. One of the things that they were that really excelled was this three-guard group of D'Lo, Dennis, and Austin. Very productive. And the three-guard groups over the course of this year, I have a whole spreadsheet of all the different three-guard groups, and like 80% of them stink. But the one that was very, very good is that one. And that was a stretch where that really illustrated itself. And so I have thoughts on the reasons why that's a particularly good group, but talk to me about them because this is something that once LeBron came back, we didn't really see much of. We didn't. I'm looking at some numbers right now, and these are regular season numbers. Um, But those three players, uh, Dennis, D'Lo, and Austin, uh, they shared the court for 96 minutes during the regular season, and they had a net rating of 38.4 plus, right? So 
They had an offensive rating of 135.7 and a defensive rating of 97.3. 96 minutes isn't some amazing sample, but it it tells you that pretty much every time those three players were on the floor together, they were kicking the other team's butts. And one of the things that happened during the regular season is that group played a lot with Anthony Davis and with Rui Hachimura, right? And so what you have there is like athleticism and size in Rui and AD and a baseline level of skill. Rui plays with good motor. And then you've got all of these guards that just do all kinds of stuff, right? Against the Memphis series, this same lineup with LeBron now in instead of Rui. LeBron, AD, and those three guards, that group stunk. Yep. They were terrible. And it was super interesting to sort of see like, oh, does this not work anymore? Like, what's the what's the problem with this group, right? Because to your point about how that group got mothballed, the three-guard group didn't only played a minute together after LeBron came back from his foot injury. Mm-hmm. So they saw no time at all. And so now when we fast forward through the Memphis series, in go- against the Warriors, they were good again. They weren't great. They were great in the last game, but they were good. They, I think they were plus four or five net rating. And mm-hmm. I think they had... They were a plus five in the box score over like 18 minutes before game six. Right. No, that's right. And then game six, those numbers went up quite a bit. They blew the doors off of them. And so what I see from that group is exactly what we saw from the regular season version of that, which is why I use them as as a jumping off point. But instead of Rui, you have LeBron, Mike. And LeBron has picked his spots some during the playoffs, he would tell you that he's like not necessarily picking his spots, that he's that he's doing everything. But the level of purpose in which he plays with and force that he's playing with offensively differs from from game to game. But the motor and the defense that he's been playing with, particularly towards the tail end of the Warriors series, that has been high level stuff. And so now when you throw those three guards with that version of LeBron James, and the Anthony Davis that basically looks like the best defensive player in the world while still being an elite offensive player, that group can kill you on both sides of the ball. They play fast. They can slow it down. They have defensive pressure at the point of attack. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And they've got all of this size on the back end with LeBron and AD that also finish possessions with defensive rebounds. And then on the other side of the court, they can just attack you relentlessly from all different sorts of angles with multiple ball handlers, multiple screening options, and two post-up threats that could beat you at any given time. And two and a half, really, if you add D'Lo, who can also post up smaller guards. And so there's just a lot to work with that group. So I'm glad, Pete, that you started it out there because to me, they are a key lineup for the Lakers, not only in this series, but if they are able to advance through however long that they're together. Sorry, Pete, you have to give me parameters again. You're more than welcome to take it toward the Nuggets because I'm going to pull it back to to us. Because I think that... that, that, You start, you start. Give me, I I want, unload this thing that you've been building up about it because I want (laughs) to hear that. I'm just not letting you off the hook without letting me know your serious thoughts before the podcast. All right, all right. That's, That's fair, that's fair. So this is what's super unusual about that lineup and why I'm excited about them is offensively, all five players are pick and roll players. All five guys can be 
pick and roll ball handlers. I think that this is a great series for inverted ball screens, for example, like getting Jokic to defend AD in space, I think is one of, one of the attack options the Lakers have. And so what's super unusual about that group, group say, compared to Jared Vanderbilt, having a, a Vando out there or even a Rui gives you one guy that you don't have to worry about being the roll guy that much as a you know screen setter rolled to the basket or the pick and roll ball handler. And what happens when all five guys can do that, and in that particular lineup, you have four that definitely do it all the time in D'Lo, Austin, Dennis, and LeBron, but LeBron can also be a role man. He's an elite role man. And so you can have three ball handlers and freaking Anthony Davis on one side rolling to the basket, LeBron James rolling or popping on the other it's so hard to guard because defensively, you kind of run out of guys. And so in thinking about uh, Denver, for example, Michael Porter Jr. is a guy that doesn't have to guard ball screens that much, right? Like they don't put him on that type of player. And so you can kind of get to a defender on the other on the other team, like, okay, who's he guarding? Oh, Dennis. It's a Dennis ball screen opportunity. And that's what Dennis has done for a living for years and years and years. And so this is such a pick and roll heavy offense that I think that that five in particular, that like 135 or whatever, whatever the offensive rating was in the regular season. I think that's indicative of that idea of like you got that much pick and roll on the floor at the same time. Really tough to defend. For sure. I think that there are so many ways to approach this Lakers team and there's a lot that's gone on with it. And there's a lot that they've been figuring out about themselves. And the root of all of this will remain my forever point that it's about LeBron and AD that like, there's a reason that they're six and zero when they're both healthy in playoff series. And to just to inroads into that, somebody smart in the team I was texting with yesterday and was like, ah, you know, there's parts of this matchup that, you know, he was saying that I like for the Lakers and specifically with Denver. And my response was, well, LeBron and AD will let you match up with anybody. Um, that's sort of the beauty of of what they do in their positions and and all that they can do. But uh, while agreeing with that point and thinking about this, I was I was sending you Darius inspired who guards whom text last night and thinking about essentially what the Lakers options are and sticking with what they have with Vanderbilt, you know, going to Dennis as they did in game six versus kind of a compromise in the middle, which would be Rui. Um, where you're bigger to combat some of Denver's size in the glass, which is kind of like my one concern with that. Likewise. Yeah. Um, and and just what the load is and what the ask is of LeBron defensively and on the glass, um, if he is the true four um, in that group and is dealing with, you know, Aaron Gordon, one of the NBA's best athletes um, at that position. And then really just Jokic, uh, who's AD is going to have to contend with. But, you know, you have to sometimes send two just to keep him off the glass. He's just so big. The hands are so great. So, and with that said, I, I think that I ultimately would just, I like the Dennis route just because of, it doesn't really give them anybody to guard uh, on that side of the court. Mm-hmm. Like who does Porter Jr. guard? What is Murray supposed to do? And then Jokic can't hide on anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, he has to be involved. And I think the way that the Lakers get ultimately get to pay dirt is by doing exactly what they've done to the last couple of teams and wearing uh, the opponent out. And in this case, it's Jokic centered and it's Murray centered. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really just, we can do, we being the Lakers, how they would think about themselves. We can do multiple different things. The the Nuggets basically just do one thing and they do it great. Um, they do the screen roll, they do Jokic and he dominates and, but they don't necessarily have a curveball off the bench where they can shift the way that they play. And LeBron, and I think this coaching staff coming in, they, they just seem to figure that out 
um, at a certain point of the series. And we're trying to do it now. But I think the the key is to is to like find what that optimal group is once they actually get on the floor. But I'm already selling myself on a couple of the different theories of how this could work. I think it's interesting, Pete, that you used the word death lineup because as someone who lives in the Bay Area yeah. and and I know that you're familiar with this idea too, that the Warriors actually didn't start their death lineup. They mm-hmm. never did over the entirety of their run, even when they had Kevin Durant. They still started a traditional big, a KD played small forward, Draymond Green played power forward, and they just blitzed you. And it was the same when it was Harrison Barnes instead of Kevin Durant. It was Andrew Bogut played a lot of those minutes or Festus Azili or whatever, right? And their base look was always this sort of bigger, more methodical group. And then the death lineup was the quote unquote curveball. It was always their closing lineup. And it was very similar. And this isn't a new idea. The Lakers did this in their run to three consecutive finals in 2008, 2009, and 2010. And in the 2009 and 2010 seasons, they started huge with Bynum and Gasol. And Odom came off the bench. But that smaller group was the curveball group. And I'm game on being convinced that this is the group that should play at the outset. I'm also, though, not wedded to the idea, even if I think that that could be the best group, that it should be the first group. Yep. I'm almost certainly convinced it will or should be the last group, although I'm not sure about that either. So just eating some innings, basically, with that with that bigger group and kind of... Well, not only that, Mike, but it's just like, let's stop acting as if the Lakers' bigger groups a group with Vanderbilt, a group with Rui can't do some things on both sides of the ball that are going to be problematic as well, right? Like, so playoff basketball is so much about like what that specific opponent has to offer and what you can do to counter that, take away their strengths while Mm -hmm. optimizing your own. Vanderbilt was proven to be in this last series, a difficult player to play because as the Lakers defense evolved, And what they needed from Anthony Davis, Vanderbilt's defensive role started to change and he was de-emphasized defensively, which is what which is what his primary purpose is within the construct of the Lakers game plan. He is a defensive chess piece, not a two way chess. piece. And when his offensive utility is going to be what it is, as the Warriors started to treat him less and they started to hide Steph Curry on him or Jordan Poole on him or whoever, if you're not then getting something from him defensively like they did in game one, where he was ball denying Steph all over the court and really limiting Steph's touches, then his overall utility falls. I'm not convinced that you can't deploy Jared Vanderbilt on Jamal Murray, for example, to start games or on Michael Porter Jr. Just as a guy where it's just like, we know you're a big shooting option, a cutting option. We know that you're not necessarily the best player, but if we shut off this guy's water, then what does the rest of the offense for Denver look like? And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not all the way there yet that sure. there's not other versions of the Lakers that are going to be super helpful, not just eating innings, but helpful and can win can win shifts. It's a good way to clarify it for sure, because eat, eat, eating innings is more like you have a guy that you just you have to just literally fill the minutes, but can't give you anything. So it's an important distinction. And you're right. Vanderbilt is not that kind of player. I think that defensively. That's their best group uh, in in one way, although like 
there's a lot of stuff that Dennis does too that I'm, I'm going to kind of tee, uh, yes. tee feet up on this. But I love like to me the way to to limit them uh, to limit Denver the most is to limit Murray because like so Jokic is going to be limited just by the fact that and I say limited but just by the fact that Anthony Davis is the best defensive player in the world. But he's still going to dominate some games. Of like course. he's still going to be dirty. He's so that's it's that's in the way that Jokic is like Steph, right? Where you can make stuff, you can make it difficult on Steph, but ultimately he's going to get the extent of his which which he's going to get. You just try to make it be less efficient. And you try to wear him down. But Murray, to me, you know, neither Phoenix nor Minnesota really attacked Murray um, in the way that I think that you can if you can disrupt Murray enough and then make Jokic have to carry everything which is what in some ways we did with the Warriors or what the Lakers did with the Warriors. So, um, and how do you do that? Well, on the one hand, yes, Vanderbilt can do it, but Pete, my worry then is that they can, they have a spot to rest on defense um, and they can, they can basically trade blows in a way. Whereas Schroeder can also mess up Murray. Yes. And then they don't have the similar way to attack other than the, the glass. And I think that that team could be so that group could be so difficult that they basically have to put Bruce Brown in anyway. And then they're a little bit smaller, even though he's a good rebounder. Mm-hmm. But like to me, MPJ, Bruce Brown is a better overall player. This might sound weird than MPJ, who like is who's got this upside, but like he's making mistakes all the time. He's not necessarily optimizing offensively. And, and I just like Brown would be if I were a coach, right, that would be the guy that I would trust more mm-hmm. um, between those two. But that's that's the idea I wanted to kick to you again, Pete, where like Vanderbilt, man, I, I love how that defense could potentially look. But then I worry about how it looks on the other end of the floor, which is essentially what happened as the, the Warrior series went on. That's my worry as well. And I think that the difference is big enough on the offensive end to where he has to have a really good guy to guard. The argument that you were just making, D, like, yeah. and with a guy like Murray, I think that teams, when they can put Vando off of the ball and have him chase a guy around, I think Vando's defensive value goes down a little bit. I think that his best defensive role is that guy right there is going to have the ball. He either has it or he's about to have it and go, go get him. And now Murray fits that to some degree, but they run so much offense through Jokic that like yeah. Vando can get back backdoor cut. He can like lose a guy, you know, from his field of vision. I want sure. Vando to like guard the guy in front of him. Right. And so all of this talking this out kind of leads to an option right in the middle, I think, which is Rui. Right. A guy that if you hide, try to hide somebody on Rui and give him open threes, I feel very good about that. You know, so what do you think about the Rui option? I'll get to him in a second because I have a couple more questions about Vando then. Who hides on Vando defensively? Jokic. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I disagree. I almost guarantee you they'd put Jokic on him. Fine. Then who guards LeBron? Gordon. Gordon, yeah. So who guards Anthony Davis? Right. Michael Porter Jr.? Right, right. You're putting Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah, in that, so in that setting, it'd be Gordon on AD, yeah. Yeah, Gordon Yeah, AD. so then who guards LeBron? Yeah. Michael so Porter for, Jr.? Yes, or just, this is the yeah. pro- but, this, but this the thing is, is the, so the thing about that though, D, is that they just they just collapse into the paint and give yes. Vando those it. open corner threes. Like it's it sounds like it's like LeBron's going to have to take a jumper over MPJ, but the paint's not going to be open. You know, I get it. What I'm saying is, if you decide that you're going to put one of your lesser defensive players on LeBron James yeah, or fair. Anthony Davis. Hey, Derek, this is why I like the matchup. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not arguing for Vanderbilt necessarily as like, oh, like this is unbreakable or there's not downfalls 
to this, right? One of the things, and I think we'll get to this in like the second part of our pod, if not this one, then like the next pod where we really start to go into hardcore matchups. But the idea that Denver is going to play seven and a half or eight guys and the Lakers have up to nine guys, I think, available to them as Mm -hmm. viable options within this series. I'm not saying they should play nine, but the ability to sort of have like a chaos engine like Vanderbilt available to you in sort of guaranteed minutes. See, that's why I think I think Vando's helpful off the bench. I think it's the bench groups where Vando is going to be be super important. Darius, let me just redirect this back to you, because I I think like when I said I like the matchup, I wasn't talking about the defensive matchups or that I like I like the overall matchup. Sure. Because, because I think when what you just said it's like, okay, if you're gonna if if you're gonna have Jokic not on AD, like in that setting, then guess what? Then and you're gonna have Gordon on AD, well then you don't have anybody for LeBron. You just there just isn't there isn't another play now, Jeff Green to an extent, but I I just don't think that they have as many answers um as the Lakers do for what the matchups can be. And while I agree with that, if Vando is on the floor as well, Jokic is going to guard him the same way that Jaron Jackson Jr. guarded him and the way the Warriors guarded him. And so there's going to be another body in the paint. You're probably going to have like a 6'10 dude on LeBron pressed up on him saying, go ahead and drive because you're driving into bodies. You know what I mean? And Although, huge difference between Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jokic in that context. Of, of course. Jokic doesn't impact, like the Wolves did this and they didn't do it enough, right? Edwards just goes right past him. And Jokic doesn't want to get in foul trouble. So he doesn't even get tested at the rim that much. So Jokic won't be as high on LeBron, right? And like basically the the way that you defend that with Vando out there is beat us with jump shots, right? Beat us with with jumpers over the top because you can take away the paint if you're willing to completely abandon one guy. I guess that's the overall point that I'm trying to make. And it's the same thing that happened with, with Russell Westbrook, right? It's the same geometrical problem. Vanderbilt and the compromise in spacing is a real thing. Those issues exist in every lineup that he's going to play in. So every time he's on the court, this is going to be a thing. You're shaking your head, please. I, I, I think that it's exacerbated when LeBron and AD are on the floor. I think that that's, sure. that's, that is the point where if it's one or the other, I think it's much less of a problem. I think I'm more interested in seeing how it looks in practice versus how it operates in principle based off of the shift in defensive matchups and who actually has to guard who. And what the other side is willing to concede in terms of what their ideal defensive matchups are. Let's go to break here because I do want to explore some other parts of like this self-scout idea. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
so an idea that I'm super interested on in terms of like where the Lakers are going to come from is this evolution that we've seen from their perimeter rotation from game one against the Grizzlies mm-hmm. through game six against the Warriors. And Troy Brown hasn't played in five or six games. Malik Beasley hasn't played since the Memphis series in like real minutes. And Lonnie Walker has become a rotation player in the last three games, right? Games what, four, five, and six. And even before that, in game three, he saw a little bit of a shift, but that was in garbage time. And so just kicking this to both of you, is this the, like, is is this where we are now? So so that is the uh, the core question of kind of the whole idea of what I wanted from this pod and why I was like, I think we should start Dennis because I think in this shape, we have our, our rotation. I think we've got it. So there are three main groups, right? Your starters, your LeBron groups, and your AD groups. And the LeBron and AD groups only play in little snippets come this time, right? Both guys in, the, in big games are going to be 40, 42-minute type of players. But you do have to win those other minutes too, right? And so we just talked about the starters. The LeBron group, Let's focus on that because that's been the more complicated one. I think I love the Lonnie uh, edition was so smart and it wasn't one that I was thinking, but this is kind of my overall thought. When AD is not in the game, you lose a ton of rim protection, a ton of athletic size, duh, right? You have to kind of make up for that elsewhere. And it's kind of why I like the front court of Rui, LeBron, and Vando in that part of the game, right? You've got three power forwardish type of guys that right and and so you've got that's about the best we can do in terms of athletic size and making up for that now there are some complications there that a guy like Lonnie as a pure scorer like the way that he had that 15 point quarter a lot of it was ghost screens and setting on ball screens for LeBron and then flaring out right and so that guy who can score and both Lonnie and Rui are this are this way in that if LeBron is setting them them up and the person that's determining this is when you get a shot or when you don't get a shot, that is Rui and Lonnie at their best, right? They can get they can have some bad shot pass decisions, decisions sometimes. LeBron having the ball and determining, Lonnie, now do it. And both of them kind of having that that uh directive. If I pass you the ball, you are looking to attack. That's both of those guys at their best. I also think that having D'Lo out there with that group and Austin being kind of AD's pick and roll buddy with the uh, AD with the um, non-LeBron groups. I don't know. I think we've kind of got our shape, Mike. And so this is part of the reason why I'm advocating for Dennis is that I think the whole game becomes you have stronger lineups at every point of the game. I totally agree. The whole Memphis series, we would have the podcast and we have the textures be like, oh, man these non-AD groups, you know, this is rough. And that was also a particular Memphis problem because of the type of physical athletes that they were putting out there that just doesn't exist to the same degree for Golden State or Denver. Um, And like against Memphis, you just, you could have used one other actual big player um, to get into that mix. But I do think that this group here with Vanderbilt, with Rui and LeBron, and then a little bit of pop, Um, of athleticism in Lonnie Walker. I think that group would have done better against Memphis too. And this is when you start to think about, man, this is the, this is the way, like this is the formula for next season too, you know, in a lot of ways, but to to stay focused here for a second, 
you're talking about kind of in the playoffs, like who can play and who can't. And if you look at, just look at the net rating for every player on Denver and every player on the Lakers, and it tells you exactly what you need to know. So Denver has seven guys that they play and that they trust. Uh, and, and this is going in order of, of net rating, but it's Gordon, it's Porter Jr., it's Brown, it's Jokic, it's Murray, it's KCP, it's Christian Brown. Um, Brown is plus 6.4. Now, a lot of that's because of their ridiculous blowout in the last game against Phoenix uh, and Phoenix being injured, no Aiden, no Chris Paul, kind of worn down Booker and Durant, who had been playing 45 minutes a game. Um, they played a Minnesota team that is that, you know, a little a little plucky, but not like, you know, not not as good of a team as Memphis, um, I don't think. And then Jeff Green is plus one point six. So, so everybody else from there, minus 10, minus 20, minus 20, you know, d- just like can't play. Basically, can't be on the floor. And you can tell it, not only are they not playing on the on the floor, but they're if they do, it's for like a couple of minutes. So that's what they're gonna do. They're playing set, they're playing seven and a half guys. Um, that's it. And nobody's has has checked their depth yet. Now on the Lakers side, it's the same thing. So like take out Bamba and, and Christie and, and Tristan. By the way, I think Christie could play. I know he's not probably not going to. But like I, I just I love Max Christie. I think he's been solid whenever he's come in. He's paying attention. He'll hit his threes. Just, just want to shout him out. I wish he was twenty three years old. I've been saying this since the summer because he's exactly the kind of perimeter guy that we need. That like has yeah. some rebounding. Rebounding is going to kill us. One of these series, rebounding, and this might be that series, right? And so like Max elevating with two hands, high point in a rebound. Like I totally see what you're talking about. Just saying, just saying, I think right now, I think he'd be better than what some might think. But, you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen. So anyway, so take those guys <laughs> out. And it's it's Austin, Dennis, AD, D'Lo, Lonnie, who's plus 4.9 now, LeBron, Rui, and then Vanderbilt is like minus 0.7. And that's even with some of the non-optimal matchups. But like basically, to Darius's point, like he can play. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not – he can play in the series. You have to put him in certain spots. And then Troy and Malik and Wenyan – uh, are, are way down now limited minutes for some of those guys uh, I still I don't think this is the best series for Wenyan just because of Jokic I agree um he's gonna be on the floor for 40 minutes or so and and what's you know if we're talking about five minutes against like their bench I would rather blitz them with different type of units anyway but that's that's like that's where we're at and within those those uh that situation like the Lakers have one more guy that they for sure trust um, and they have different ways of playing with that. Whereas Denver, it's sort of just like, can you contain Jokic? You know, can you uh, can you have enough bodies on him? Can Anthony Davis not get in foul trouble? Well, can Jokic not get in foul trouble? So that's that's I think where the series is going to ultimately be told. I'm understanding of where you both are coming from in terms of like optimizing 48 minutes worth of lineups rather than right in. So. I'm not all the way there yet, so sure. I still need some more convincing. But, but I, but I definitely get the setup for building out some of these bench units as well. One of the things that I'm super interested in is that Denver is like the Lakers in this one specific way: is they stopped playing their backup centers. Yep, and they went to groups of multiple forwards. Gordon right? at the five, so, basically. I was just looking at Jeff Green's um, game log and Mike, you said that he's like the half player in the seven and a half or Brown might be the half player, depending on like what the matchups look like. Green is getting two shifts a game, 14 minutes, 16 minutes, 18 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 
16 minutes. That's telling me he's getting like two shifts, three shifts, and two of those shifts are like shorter ones, right? To give Jokic a break. And this is where I'm super interested in how Darwin looks at the lineup management and whether or not he's really trying to match up all of AD's minutes against all of Jokic's minutes, or if he's going to try to steal minutes at different parts of the game in order to try to win parts of the game where someone else is, is off the court. But those, those like LeBron Rui mm-hmm. groups, Pete against the Gordon yep. green groups, right? Those are the minutes where it's just like, okay, well here's Gordon green and Porter jr. And here's LeBron, Rui, and Vanderbilt. Yeah, exactly. Right? And here's Brown, both Browns, for example, because they've been using Bruce. We're going to call him Bruce now. Since yeah, it's Bruce and Christian. Browns, this and one's yeah. a Braun, yeah. but, it's, but it's really Brown. They've been using Bruce as the backup point guard, right? And so some of the stuff that Denver's been doing is like, they're like, oh, Jokic isn't in the game. Well, we need all of our other top players yep. in the lineup in order to win these groups. And so these LeBron... And Rui at like the two bigs, quote, quote unquote, those are the lineups where they might actually not be at like a talent deficit, but Denver's going to be pushing hard during those minutes. And there's a certain part of like, what do you see is needed from the Lakers perspective, Pete? What do you see them needing from the LeBron Rui groups? You already mentioned you might play Vando with those groups, but build that out a little bit more for me. So I I really like... uh, Denver's athleticism at the two through four type of spots, right? And so those groups with Gordon at the five, he's going to can really run the floor. Um, Christian Brown is kind of their Vando in that he's a really good athlete who causes positive chaos mostly, right? Sometimes negative chaos, but he is, he just kind of makes things happen and will get out in transition. will dunk on a guy is strong will really fight on the defensive end. Bruce Brown is a really multifaceted type of player that I think is going to be a key part of this series. He's a short roll guy as well. If we ever decide to blitz, Murray Brown can be a counter to that. Bruce Brown can be a counter to that, right? And he can put pressure on the rim. He's been kind of their backup ball handler in a lot of those groups. That's one weakness that Denver has overall is like, it's like Jokic, Murray has some a bit, and then it falls off quite a bit in terms of guys who can dribble and kind of initiate offense. And so as we get into more of the Lakers versus Denver type of conversations, I think we'll explore where the Lakers can kind of exploit that, Mike. But those bench groups in particular, you got to be able to run with them. They're good athletes to answer Darius's question. And I think that LeBron, we cannot rely on LeBron to be the best big athlete or the only big athlete on the floor. And so I think that's why I have the three forward idea. What, but Pete, this is also this is why the Lakers are good again. Like these are the conversations. Remember all the conversations we had to have. We're like, well, there are no forwards on the team. Yep. What are we can do. You know, I guess I guess Patrick Beverly is going to defend. You know, like Michael Porter <sighs> Jr. or Aaron Gordon in this case. Like Mike, let's just wait until Trevor Ariza is back, and then we'll I, yeah, start I to guess, figure out what it's going to look like. He's going to defend Aaron Gordon. You know, it's like it's Rui and Vanderbilt. It's so nice. So Rui and Vanderbilt have have turned a problem into a benefit where now, so let's say the Lakers start a group that whatever it is, let's say they start Vanderbilt or let's say they start shooter and it's not working. Okay. You can go to Rui. Like the nuggets have one answer. Uh, I, I love Bruce Brown. I think he's a really good player. 
And I think that they can bring him in and have him help in multiple ways, both ends of the court. He's better on offense than people think, although he doesn't dribble. He's not the best dribbler, but like he can shoot Mm -hmm. and he's tough. So, but like the Lakers have answers now. It's the, it's like we could do the three through nine pod again, you know, (laughs) where that was the strength. You see how it wasn't that hard to get depth back? Like, oh, you put no. that. No, it absolutely. Was, it's like you got to have them. Your three through nine can't stink, but it's it not like not, super difficult to replace it. It is super difficult to get the three through nine. It's Nobody not, else it's not difficult to trade a very large expiring contract. In fact, that's a benefit. No one saw it. It just teams and, need and financial relief. You can yeah, get depth. You just have to actually identify the good players. You didn't get the depth in the one trade necessarily. Like you got it because you got Rui for Kendrick Nunn in second right. round. Picks. I'm just saying those guys are out there. It's not that hard to get them. But who else, Pete? Who else playing right now made a trade like that that added to their team for this run? No one. Right. So it's not that easy. That's what I'm saying. Well, no like, one else needed to. These teams were these teams were set. They weren't like, oh God, we need to make a big overhaul at the deadline. You guys can probably sense a this is a this is a, an extension. <laughs> this is something long, we've discussed. Yes, an extension of a long term discussion <laughs> we've had about this Westbrook, is a peek behind um, the curtain. We will leave aside. Uh, it is all in good in good faith. We do not get mad at each other. We just both like to argue about it. Oh um, man! Alas, alas. The the simple point is three through nine looks pretty good, and that to me is an underrated reason why. Like the it's like that. I, I always start with LeBron AD, but now that now that LeBron specifically and with the coaching staff can can decide where and when to deploy and you have different options. Um, that's, that's why I think that the Lakers to me, um, I am favoring them to win the series. I don't think a lot of people are, I think a lot of people are going to default to, yeah, but Jokic and, and number one seed. What and else Al- is new? And, and I get it. I get that. I get that. But I think that a close watch of what the Lakers do in these playoff series would lead you at least in a much closer to 50, 50 direction, if not favoring the Lakers outright. So I know we're going to wrap up here. But in the sense of one last idea, Pete, build me one Anthony Davis-led group for a bench group. We, we spend a lot of time about the LeBron groups, but, but give me one AD group. So I think him and Austin are great pick-and-roll partners. And I think that Austin's on-ball scoring and, and just like – Austin's more of the scorer in the mid-range and can kind of create his shot and you know bump guys off of him. So I really like that that pairing. And then – Rui at the four, right, to replace LeBron. That's one of the things that I really like about that pairing is that Rui approximates LeBron in enough ways to where you can still play the same way, even though you've got different players in there. That's part of why I like Lonnie has been coming in for Dennis, right? And those are our speed guards, Dennis and Lonnie. And so I think that you can have a certain amount of continuity that really that's been one of the more difficult overall things for this Lakers team to achieve just due to the circumstances, right? And so wherever you can find continuity, we can keep doing the same thing that we're doing with little tweaks here and there. I think you can yeah. harness that. I think that's very helpful. Pete, quick stat for you here. Three-man lineup data, Rui, AD, and Austin in the playoffs, 99 minutes. Offensive rating, 130.6. Defensive rating of 98.4. They're a plus 32, essentially, net rating. That's a group that a lot of teams do not have a lot of answers for. They are talented, they are athletic, and they are skilled, and they compete defensively. Hell yeah, man. And that's sort of the having a couple of days to sit and digest on how the Warriors series went along with the Memphis series. The Lakers have a couple of 
best versions of themselves that are agnostic of the team that they're about to play. And so I just wanted to have a pod that was more centered around who the Lakers are, because that's something we've been just very rapidly discovering. Um, and a couple of rounds of the playoffs can get you a lot of answers to that. And so like you were saying earlier, Mike, it's like exciting, both short term and long term for what the team can be. But Lakers are about to play a very good Denver Nuggets team. So we're going to wrap up part one here. We'll be back tomorrow for part two to really start to get into more of the meat of the series. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bad next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant. 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move, two, one, miss it! Unbelievable, it's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant, yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.